you for being here with us today. I know that um, we are living through a very wild moment in history. And because of that, because of all of the uncertainty and anxiety and fear that's kind of been swirling, my mom and I decided that we wanted to do this. And hopefully we can um, calm everybody's nerves, um, look for the silver lining in, in all of this that's going on, and offer some tips and strategies for the families that are at home and are, and are kind of struggling. First, we'll take a quick break and then we'll get started. Do you want to raise confident, kind, responsible children without using punishment, guilt, or shame? Of course you do. Many parents find that there are times when emotions just get the best of their good intentions, and then they feel awful after yelling, threatening, or tuning out their kids. This is especially true when parents are overwhelmed. With this in mind, we've created the first ever Parenting Cleanse, designed to hit reset and kickstart change. Together, we'll help you flush out the old ways of thinking and change the habits that push your buttons, which then cause you to react. As you release painful beliefs, stories, and triggers, you'll find yourself free of needing to control anyone else's behavior. This self-paced journey is very affordable and will help you come away with a fresh perspective and confident wisdom. And podcast listeners can save 20% by entering code PODCAST at checkout. Learn more and get started at www.parentcleanse.com. That's www.parentcleanse.com. Remember to use code PODCAST to save 20%. That's code PODCAST to save 20%. If I go out and, and try to do a talk or a webinar, and I haven't taken the time to connect with my own inner guidance, um, connect with the wisdom that can flow through me when I have released my fear and my ego, then I know I'm not going to be as, um, as helpful as my heart wants to be. And in many ways, it's the same thing for parents and their children. It's the same kind of, I think, um, uh, uh, workings, the way human, humanity works, that whenever we have this desire to be helpful, desire to be wise, desire to give advice, if it's coming from our own place where we have not centered ourselves or connected to our own, I'm just going to call it inner knowing, inner guidance, whatever it is that you, know, that you like to think of it, then I, I know that whenever I'm offering, it's disjointed. It, it, it kind of comes out but after I'm done, I think oh, I could have done a better job, you know. And then when I am connected, I often walk away thinking, oh, that felt so good. Because I realize that I'm streaming wisdom, not through my ego, because I know so much, but more because I've gotten connected to where the real wisdom is. And so what I'm suggesting to people listening today is 
that if you really want to be helpful to yourself and your children, which is what we want to do, um, it's really important that we get centered ourselves. And everyone has to, everybody's got to figure out what is centering for them. And one of the things I do is I try, not always successfully, but I try when I'm in the middle of a challenge, after I've had my initial freak out, usually is like a freak out to the challenge first, like, oh God, oh God, something bad's happening. Um, I remind myself, I do self-talk that says, you know, Sandy, you're old now. I'm in my 70s, everybody. I got a lot of life to look back on and a lot of challenges to look back on. I remind myself, I got through every freak out challenge that in the moment felt like I wasn't going to get through it. And that this too, this too, is going to move on into something else. So I just want to share something personally and then I promise. I'll let you get started, Melissa. So we rescued a little dog a couple of weeks ago, who I now adore. And she's been having some real diarrhea issues and she was getting better. And this morning it started again. I, it reminded me of when my kids were little and I would have this freak out feeling of, oh my God, oh my God, they're sick. I thought they were getting better. Oh my God, they're not getting better. It must be worse than I thought. You know, this is what, what parents go through. And we are in a freak out moment, uh, you know, in history right now. And this is just a microcosm of freaking out. And she woke me up, which for me is very early in the morning. It was before seven o'clock. I don't usually get out of bed until at least eight o'clock. And she was over at the door scratching, which meant, uh-oh, she has to go out. And I had that freak out of, oh my God, she, she's sick again. The medicine's not working. And I did what I had to do, which is what we're all gonna do. We're all gonna do what we have to do. Um, and I put on the clothes and I, my clothes, and I took her out. And I reminded myself, what will make you feel better, Sandy? The way I change my thoughts, the way I, I soothe my thoughts. There's no one who can do that for me but me. And there I was out in the early morning and I started to think I could change my thoughts. And you know what? It felt really nice being out alone. There was no one on the street with me. And I heard the birds chirping. And we're in Southern California, so I might be ahead of some of you, but I noticed flowers were starting to open on trees. <clears throat> And then I was aware, only because I started looking for it, that the sun, even though I missed the rise, the sunrise, that the way the light was shining on everything was actually quite beautiful. And I started to think how grateful I was for this unexpected early morning walk with the dog, that uh, I normally miss this part of the day. I've had plenty of early morning workups in my life, but this time in my life, I don't get to see sunrises. You know? And so I walked in gratitude rather than in panic mode. And I came home and, you know, did what I need to do for her. And I'm still not sure what's going on with her. And sometimes as a parent, you live in uncertainty. You know, the, I, I, I think, under guiding everything we're going to say today 
is how important it is for us to realize that part of life is there going to be challenges part of being a parent is there's having children is just going to create challenges and freak outs and scare times and and feeling like you know we can't do it we can do it and we have to change the self-talk to i can't i can only have to do it one minute at a time one one group of minutes at a time i only have to walk through this challenge one piece of it at a time it that if i'm going to reclaim my power from life it's all inside of me it's all how I choose to think about it, and it's how I take care of myself. So before I got on this with Melissa, I freak out when I'm going to use um, modern technology all the time. I had to go meditate for, for about seven minutes just to calm myself and ask if I could please be in my knowing and my wisdom so I could be of help to anybody else. And I'm sharing that with you. Because honestly, that's the most wisdom I can give you today. I'm going to give you a lot of other tips, but that's really the basic wisdom is for each one of us to find our way to connect with that piece of our inner sense of self to get connected to the wisdom of God, the universe, whatever works for, for each of you listening. So now that I've told you about my private life here, I think we can get ready. Yeah, thank you. I think that was um, a perfect way to start this because the the first thing that I wanted to share was that, you know, with all of this uncertainty that's going on, the thing that many people are experiencing right now is being home. And I've been hearing from a lot of parents that they're struggling being home with their children and, and handling um, all of the challenges that kind of come up with, you know, having little ones or older ones in the house. And the, the first thing that I, I've been saying to parents is, well, what is the upside of this? What's the benefit of this? What is the, the gift here? And that's what you were just talking about on your early morning walk, that you were able to slow that freak out train of thought and instead kind of pause it and say, well, what, what can I look for here that feels good? What's actually going well in this early morning walk where I've got some concerns about, about the dog's well-being? And, and the, the first um, real gift that comes up for me is that, you know, parents are often saying that they're so busy and life is so hectic and things are so scheduled and they're, they're traveling for work and kids are, um, you know, in, in school and sports and after school activities and, and parents and children often don't get a lot of time together. And so one of the gifts that's coming up is that families are spending a lot of time together. It's a gift and a, a challenge at the same time, but it is a gift and it's something that we've been asking for, I think, as a society to kind of slow things down. You know, over the last couple of years, it it seems like whenever I get on the phone with somebody to catch up with them and I say, how are things going? The first thing that I say or somebody else says is usually it's been so busy lately. And it's actually kind of a gift that we've got these couple of weeks coming up of slowing down, of, of not having plans, of not going places, of um, declining commitments and being more present in, in our homes and in our, in ourselves. Um, which also brings another challenge that, that I, I think you might have some thoughts on, Mom, which is as we slow down, we become more aware 
of some of the things that that we now have to sit with that we can sort of push away as we're busy in life. You know, things that normally um, are maybe background thoughts that are running that we can not really hear because we're busy driving carpool or busy working or or busy cooking and taking care of activities. And so um, one of the things that that can be can be hard for some of us as adults not even including the children in it, is being really present to ourselves and, and some of the things that we might often try and um, drown out through busyness in life. Well, I know that for me, what, because I'm a senior, you know, they've told me to stay home and not even go outside. And so what it has done is amplified and I think this is what it's doing. It's going to amplify what's already been there that our busy life has allowed us not to deal with or to, or to push away. And so for, so, for example, my husband, your dad, who I love with all my heart, he and I are going to be spending a lot of time together. And I, I, was, I was just, you know, I was thinking in, in the last day or two, and again, you could think about your children like this, your, your partner like this, is these are the people I love. <laughs> I always want to spend a lot of time with them. It's such a crazy kind of amplification that it's making us look at our relationships. It is, it's making us look at um, the way we are with each other. And often we don't look at it uh, we get busy and then, and then, you know, we don't have to look at it. So I was actually, I was thinking how grateful I am that I'm married to your dad for 50, almost three years and that he and I are huddled in this together. And I've chosen to overlook the things that he does that normally bother me, like leaving the, the cupboard doors open, you know, or, um, not washing the bathroom sink out after he brushes his teeth. I mean, you know, I don't have to tell you all my secrets, but these we all have the things that irritate us about the people that we that we live in. And what I made is a conscious decision, and, and I think that's what many of us, where we find our power, is when we make conscious decisions that rather than to look at the things that kids do that irritate us and the things that they do that make us worry about them, uh, which is a lot of parenting stories are wrapped up in those things, um, uh, is to look at the things that um, we admire and adore, to go almost go back to the time when they were babies and remember what a blessing and what a gift and what a miracle they were and, 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 and how excited we were to have them. And now to clean out some of the ego stuff which was that they were gonna live the life we didn't live, or they were going to succeed in ways that we didn't, or we were gonna brag about all their accomplishments, or um, you know, uh, the fear and the worry that they're not gonna get through the school year with the great grades, or whatever, whatever the worries are, because there's lots of issues going on now with schools closing and you know, all that kind of stuff. So in order to do the rest of what we're gonna to offer today, I'm going to suggest you do a conscious cleansing in a way of the thoughts and the ego things that, that get in the way 
of letting your love come through, letting your calm come through. Because in order to be calm, we have to give up a lot of outside factors. You know, one of the things I learned in my life is if I need somebody else to change the way they are, or a situation outside of me to be different than it is, in order for me to feel good, I'm in big trouble. Because there's always gonna be somebody behaving in a way that I wish they were behaving differently, or there's always gonna be a situation that I am not happy with. And uh, if I allow the churning inside to keep occurring until those things change, then I am at the mercy of everything outside myself. And boy, are we in a world now where we can be at the mercy of everything. So let's talk about ways that we can reclaim our power. One thing we said already is, and this is a process I use all the time, I'm gonna suggest it. And that is, I've learned that my emotions are directly hooked up to my thoughts. I can't change my emotions like this, but I can go back and say, when I feel a glump, or I feel a stress or an anxiety or, or something glumping me, I say, oh, what? I wonder what I was just thinking. And in my mind, I go back and I try to find the thought that led to that feeling. And I, it's fascinating. It's fun almost to go back and trace the thought. Oh, there, that's where it came from. Or I heard something on the television or I read something on Facebook or I, a friend of mine said something. And a few minutes later, I'm this swirl of something. I don't know where it came from. So if you can start to notice your thoughts, um, that when the fears and the worries and the not sure or they're not listening to me or they're not doing it the way I want or whatever it is, that's triggering the emotions. And when the emotions get triggered, that's when you lose your sanity. Um, and enough of that happens and you don't catch it, you start yelling at the kids. You start feeling like they don't appreciate you, they're driving you crazy. You, you kind of blame them for your behavior, which is the very stuff you tell them not to blame other people, that they have to take responsibility for their own behavior. And yet we model all the time to our children not to take responsibility because we say, if only you would act differently, I wouldn't be a screaming, yelling mommy. And, it's just the way humanity works. So start noticing when you get a bleh, go in and see what your mind was thinking. And I'm just gonna say that Melissa and I created something wonderful for this. Um, it's called the Parenting Cleanse. I'm only talking about it now because it's coming to me. We've worked on this. We went step-by-step, step, Melissa and I, into how do you help someone take the through their years, how they've learned to think, how they've learned uh, to process thoughts, how those thoughts wind up controlling them and then they wind up yelling at everybody who they love and then they feel terrible about themselves. Maybe later, Melissa, you'll tell them about the cleanse and how we've decided to cut the price on it because it's something now that you're home, you may want to do. It's a one-on-one. -on -one, uh, we lead you through step-by-step how to change your thoughts so that you can relax the grip of anxiety feelings, which you then behave from. And actually that's what's happening to your children. Let me just say this and then I promise Melissa, I'll let you continue. That's one thing I do to Melissa all the time as her mother. I never give her a chance to talk. I'm always jumping in there 
<laughs> Can I just say, but this is really, this is important. When your children are misbehaving or pushing back on you, it's just like when we misbehave or we scream or yell or carry on and lose ourselves. It's because something's not working inside. And the same process that I'm talking about is this is what goes on with your children. They have a thought, which is triggered by how their sibling is talking to them, what you're telling them, what they're reading on the internet or seeing on the TV or their friends are saying. Something happens naturally, but it triggers a thought that usually we're not conscious of. And then the brain, this way the brain works. And then the amygdala takes off. That's the emotional part of the brain. And now we have these emotions. And the way we behave is a direct result of the thoughts and the emotions that get triggered. And when you say to your kids, you know, don't talk like that to me. Don't do that to your brother or your sister. Why are you behaving like that? They don't know the same way you don't know. It's the same process that's happening to them that happens to us. So one reason I love the cleanse is because once we learn how to do it, we can model it for our kids. And then we can, we can actually help be the wise people that then helps them. And it's amazing how, um, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It means now we know what to do when it happens. Okay, so the beginning of this webinar is learning how to take care of ourselves and the thoughts that are now going to be bombarding us because of all this outside information that's scary. And, and, and like the cleanse, which is meant to um, sort of hit a pause and a reset on the way that we're thinking, I actually do believe, I know this might sound crazy, that this global crisis that we're in is creating the same sort of pause and opportunity to consciously and deliberately move forward and create new ways of being with our family, of being with the children, of how we interact with them. And one of the things that I wanted to share in this session is how we can use these upcoming two weeks, because it seems like at this point, most families are being told, at least in the US, it sounds like around the world, that for the next couple of weeks to stay home, to mostly be home with your children, maybe go out and go for a walk, but not to have play dates, not to go to the mall or to parks or to places that normally you would take your children to entertain. Which them. creates the panic in our head. Well, and it creates the panic because then it leaves us to fill the time. And, and, and I think part of why it creates that panic is because now we need routines. Now we need new deliberate ways of doing things so that the children aren't driving us crazy or that our spouses aren't driving us crazy, whatever it is. And so let's start by talking about how we can use this time to reevaluate the way that we've been doing things as, as a family unit and move forward with a little more mindfulness, a little more deliberate setup. So I got an idea, and what I want to tell the people listening is when I was a teacher, one of the things we were taught, besides curriculum, is classroom management. Okay, as a teacher, if you did not know good classroom management, it didn't care how it didn't matter how brilliant you were and how much how well you knew your curriculum, the kids wound up taking over the classroom. And I often want to teach parents what I call um, what? 
family management or home management, how to set up your time together so that things flow better. Now, in a classroom, you got 20 or 30 kids. At home, you have one, two, three, maybe four. And often, even as teachers, we did better with the 20 or 30 than we did when we went home to our own one, two, three, or four. That's because as teachers, we were willing to take the time and energy to set up our classrooms, but we were never willing to take the time to set up our home environment. We just wanted the kids to behave themselves. And what I have learned is let's try to help parents learn what it is to set up um, a home environment like classroom management. It's routines. I am telling you, I promise you. And you don't have to have a totally routine day where you're a sergeant at arms. But a routine is a way of being. It's a structure that everybody learns to live with. And believe me, there have been kids in my classroom who didn't want to partake in the routines. And I would gently say to them, I know this is hard for you, but this is what we do. And you know what the first routine was? Even in three-year-old classes, when you walk in the classroom, you wash your hands. <laughs> that was always the first thing we was part of our, cl our classroom routine. And then you hung up your coat and, you know, put the stuff in the cubby and then you took out things and, and there were things set up on the tables for the children to do. So the, what, what Melissa and I are going to talk about is how you wrap that same warm blanket of safety that a teacher does for the children in their classroom, how you wrap, think of this as wrapping this blanket around your family because the consistency of routines um, tells your child and yourself's brain that you're safe, that within consistency, within routines, uh, within predictability, life feels safe. And they don't have to push back as much. Now, you may get pushed back in the beginning when you start to set the routines up. But if, you, if you're gentle about it and you acknowledge that this is new, this is different, we've never done this before, we've never lived through a virus vacation before, that's what I've coined it, a virus vacation before, uh, but we're gonna do some things uh, a, you know, a little maybe differently, or we're going to combine school mornings and uh, weekend mornings, and we're going to create this uh, new routine. And you part can of, introduce it like that. Part of why this whole virus vacation, which I love that term, is so scary for us as adults is because our routines are thrown off. We're not going out to work. We're not going on vacation as planned. The things that we're, that we're normally expecting to be predictable are all of a sudden unpredictable. And in the same way that for us as adults, it feels scary that what we're, what's usually consistent in our life is no longer there. The same is true for children, no matter how young or old they are. This shift in the way that we are moving through life these days feel scary to them. So what we want to help you do is put a little more structure. And it, like you said, mom, it doesn't have to be rigid. We're not talking about a schedule which says up at seven, teeth brush at 7.10, breakfast at 7.30, sit down with academic books at eight o'clock. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is creating a daily routine that feels good, that feels predictable, that feels stable, 
so that even in the midst of being home for two weeks, you don't fall into, wait, did I brush my teeth today? When was the last time I changed my clothes? Have I showered in a couple of days? Which we could very easily fall into. And that creates this sense of um, like a depression because we're, we're not taking care of ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis in the way that we're used to. And um, again, depending upon the ages of your children, this is going to look differently. So I'm going to divide it into maybe three different categories. Little kids, which are your toddlers and your preschoolers. Um, it will look differently the way you create uh, virus routines. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Then you have the, the kids in the middle, you know, like your first grade through like fourth or fifth graders. And then the wise guys, you know, as you get closer to the preteens and the, and the teens and they want to, they don't want to listen to anything for them for the most part. So, so it's, you're going to approach it differently for the little kids. You know, you don't have to tell them what it is. You can just, uh, this is what we're doing. You know, you can let them wake up whenever they wake up and you probably already have some routines. If not, this is a really good time to start the routines. What do they do when they get out of bed? Do they come into your bed and snuggle? Do they play quietly in their room? Uh, are they allowed to, to turn on the TV and watch it while you're still sleeping? Make a decision how, what you want. You're allowed, you're the person in charge. You're allowed to say, Let's, this is what we're gonna do. Um, and then what's the next thing? What, when, you, when you wake up, it's morning time, call it something. Call it dressing time, call it race, race to see who gets dressed first. Little children love to play games, love to have races, love to win, let them win. But have a routine and then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about food later because that's always an issue for many, many people. But then comes breakfast. And after breakfast, then what? Now, is it my, my suggestion is connection time with your children is very, very important, no matter what their age is. Even the older ones who, who act like they don't want to connect with you in any way because by the time they're older, they think you're hypocrites and, 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 and they don't trust them. A lot of what you're saying to them, they feel like all you do is boss them around. But connection time will look differently depending on the ages of your children. With the little kids, after breakfast, let the dishes sit in the sink and make it a together time. Because when you connect with your children, you tend to stave off breakdowns. It just works like that. So if after breakfast, you're going to play together, say, for a half an hour. You're going to do things together. Then you can say to your child, I think I hear the dishes calling me. Do you hear the dishes calling? I hear the dishes calling. If you have young children, get playful. When you play with your children, if you pretend you're Walt Disney, if you pretend you work you know, for the D Disney or whatever the things they're on TV that they're watching, notice what works with little kids playfulness, inventiveness, creativeness, imagination, magic wand. Uh, let, the, let the dishes talk to you and say, they're wondering where I am. I came in here to play with you, but now they need me. I'm going to go wash the dishes. What do you want to do while I wash the dishes? You will start to see your younger children much more cooperative when you go in and out of connection time. Okay, With the older children, Say to them, 
have a responsibility to go wash those dishes and I, I want to be responsible. How would you like a responsibility? You want to do something that's responsible? In other words, make stuff fun. The problem that parents run into is they think they have to be the big boss all the time. They think they have to come across as the one who's um, offering their wisdom onto their children and the kids watch the parents messing up and losing their temper and after all they don't want to listen to you so with your older children you might just lay it out in reality and say to them um, i'd like us to figure out a way how we're going to really live in peaceful coexistence for the next two weeks and i'm wondering what you think would be helpful and it, ask your older kids for some help say to them i'm really curious what you think would help us what is it you would need from me what is it you need from your sister you know how i'm thinking about shutting off uh, all the computers and and all the screen time for a certain part of the day all of us in it together what do you think about that what are you willing what are you willing to work on with us what, what can we do together well, you mentioned screen time. Let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. I think that a lot of parents are turning over being at home to the screens. Now, I want to say for the parents that are working from home right now and don't have a nanny or somebody to be with the children while they're working, screens are probably one of your best bets, you know, setting up um, art projects that they can do independently. We're talking about younger children here or games that they can play on their own or maybe putting your children in different rooms if they tend to bicker. But I think a lot of parents are really relying pretty heavily on screen time. So there are a couple of different ways that you can use screens. One is just plopping a child in front of a movie or a TV show. And periodically, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. And I want to just mention here briefly that screen time like that where they're sitting in front of a tv can actually be what's called dysregulating for some children and what i mean by that is if they're sitting in front of a tv or they're playing a video game for too long or for too many hours um, throughout a day or a couple of weeks they may end up being ornery um, um, agitated um, let's just call it prickly when they're done with the screens. And that's because whatever emotions were going on for that child before they got in front of the screen are just sort of simmering beneath the surface while they're on the screen. And when the screen goes away, those feelings tend to kind of bubble up a little bit. So if that child's been feeling anxious or not enough connection with their parent or bothered by their sibling or you know itching to get outside and have some other engagement, they're probably gonna display it on a more magnified spectrum when the screen goes away. So just something to, to kind of be mindful of. Um, I want to say that there are so many online resources for kids. I know that there are tons of lists that are going around. We've put together a list that we'll share um, in the email and um, wherever this video is posted so that parents have access to it. There are lots of wonderful ways to use the internet that aren't just plopping a child down to be a TV zombie, which again, every now and then it's going to happen and it's okay, but if we can use screens in a more interactive, educational, and I'm not talking sitting down and doing math in a notebook educational, I'm talking about feeding their soul, helping them to become more creative, more curious about life, learning about animals and art and different places in the world and science. I mean, there's so many resources that are out there. Um, so using screen time in that way so that it's more interactive rather than that zombie effect 
I'm sure everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say that. And the other thing about screen time is if you can find like an hour a day where everybody in the house puts their screens down, mommy and daddy, there's no working from home, there's no cell phone, Facebook, Instagram, any of that. And all of the family is together, whether it's um, sitting down and having dinner without a TV on, whether it's sitting down and playing a game, working on a puzzle, doing an art project, putting on music and dancing. You know, the fact that we're all home means that a lot of people aren't getting the physical activity that they're used to. So finding a way to be creative. If you have young kids playing hide and go seek, there are all sorts of ways to stay connected and active in the home without screens, but it does take a lot of deliberate decision-making. You know, it's, it's very easy to fall into the default of putting on a screen and it takes more presence and more um, willingness to shut the screen off. So if you make a decision to take an hour a day without screens, that will really create an opportunity for more connection and for more um, emotional processing. You might find that the kids actually want to talk to you about something that's coming up for them. Or um, you may notice some behavior going on without the screen on that you can detect is, is really indicating something is going on inside of your child that they want some help talking about or processing. What's coming up for me again is the way we um, interact with our children. They will resent us bossing them around. They will resent that. So it's, it's how we um, come across to them. Once again, if you have young children, the more you're playful and whimsical. So for example, when I go to my grandson's house, he often says to me, let's play school, Grandma, because I used to be a teacher. You could be, you could, here's what you could say to your children. Young kids, and I'm going to say again, up until the smart alecky age of 11 or 12. So since you're not in school, I'm curious, what does your typical school morning look like? I, I don't even know if I've ever asked you this question again. Find out from your kids what the first thing is they, they do when they get to school and what do they do next and what do they do next? You may say to them, let's play school, you know? And um, you can't do it exactly the same way, but with a little kid, I know, I'm just telling you that what normally happens with preschoolers and kindergartners is they go in and they have like a free kind of a playtime where the teacher sets particular things up and then the kids choose what they want. You could do that. You could go into your little one's room, take out two or three different kinds of, manip we call those manipulatives, you know, and you could say, okay, I'm gonna set up your room and then I'll be the teacher and you'll come in and I'll say good morning and you'll wash your hands, whatever, you make it have fun. And then say, and then you get to choose what you want to play with. And if you want me to play with you, say teacher and I'll come over. They love that kind of stuff. If you have older children who tell you, well, when we go in, there's an assignment on the board and we have to, you say, great, I'm going to make an assignment for you. Or you be the teacher. Give me an assignment. You could be my teacher and I'll make me look something up on the internet or make me learn something new. Test me on my math problem. Have fun with them. 
if you're just going to say to them, well, I have a lot to do, so you go in there and you do your schoolwork, I'm telling you, you're going to have an explosion of tantrums on your hands. And you don't have to play all day long. What I'm saying is if you connect like this in the morning a little bit, connect like this in the afternoon a little bit like this, you're going to have a much calmer, easier kind of a, a day. Another thing that's just dawning on me is, again, with the kids who are willing to do this, you could take out a big piece of paper and say, things I want to tell that virus. Really empower your children. If I could talk to that virus, or if I had a magic wand, and I could do something to that virus, this is what I would do. And have the whole family you know, write maybe what they would do, or what they would say. Or if I was king in the world, this is what I would do. Let them write stories and uh, um, um, great literature and composition is not just when the teacher hands your children an assignment. This is what I've always told teachers when I train teachers and I've told parents. Here's what reading and writing really is, okay? Reading and writing is that somebody gets an idea in their head and they want to share this idea. And they know that if they just say it out loud, it's going to go off into the ethers. But if they write it down, it's a way of preserving it. And if they draw a picture with it, then they're really telling a story that somebody else may want to read. And now somebody is creating, now you could do this with your kids. You can, you can staple some pieces of paper together and they can have a story of the day or a story of the week or with your older kids, just thoughts on this ridiculous virus and what it's doing to their social life or to the world, whatever, you know, and encourage them, write it down because this is a historic moment. With the older kids, you could say to them, one day your grandkids are gonna to wanna to know about what it was like, what you went through. Write it out for them. Draw pictures, take pictures, download stuff. Turn this experience into a writing um, um, time for them to see that this is what great works of art are about. It's just people's expressions of life. If they're painters, if they're artistic, if they're creative, encourage them to paint out or draw out their emotions, their feelings, what's going on for them. Write stories about it. You do it too. Maybe when you come to the dinner table, everybody reads what they've done or shows what they've created that day. Just don't get caught up in the old slugginess of, now go do your homework. Did you do your homework yet? If you don't do your homework, there won't be any free. You're going to sound like a witch and they are going to get back at you. So it doesn't mean that you have to be a slave to your kids all day long. It's it just like a teacher, a classroom teacher. We were never slaves to the kids all day long, but we had to be there for them for a certain amount of time to encourage them, to entice them, to, to bring ideas up. And then we gave them their time to, 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 to do something on their own about it and then come back and report on it. That, that's how you're going to take over for their lack of school. And don't worry, really, 
um, as a teacher, I would guide all my teachers now, don't worry about the organized curriculum. Life's too chaotic now to worry about what organized curriculum looked like. Take this opportunity as an adventure to learn things together or by yourselves and then share it with your family. I know that when they show a map of the United States and they show where the virus is and they show how many cases are in each state, I realize I don't know where all the states are. When they show a map of the United States and it doesn't have the names of the state, it just has reds and blues and yellows and greens, I hear my, feel myself saying, what's that? I know that's Montana, but what's that state up there to the right? What's that state up there? To the, I, I realize at 70, almost three years of age, I still don't know where all the states are. If I had a kid living with me, I would challenge them to fill in a map of the United States and see it, they probably could do it better than I could. And then I'd go to the state capitals, you know, and then I'd go to what's the most famous thing uh, people visit in the state. And then I'd say, oh, if you were gonna go visit that state, what would you want to, go do some research on the internet. What are the things people go and visit Wyoming for? I don't know. Horses, cows, I don't know. It, it, take this time as an opportunity for good stuff, rather than just looking at the negative piece of it. As I'm listening to you with all of these wonderful ideas, I can hear some of the parents that I work with saying, but I need a break from my kids. I can't be with them all day long. So let's just talk for a minute about you know, as, as you build these routines, these, you know, these, um, taking these classroom management skills into your home, it is okay to build in alone time and quiet time and downtime, especially if you or your children are introverts or highly sensitive. Um, it's good to take a bath alone and close the door, to retreat to your own rooms and put on a guided meditation. Um, maybe you want to do a guided meditation as a family, but it's okay to turn to each other and say, I need some alone time right now. Right. You could say, you know what? I'm not really your teacher and I've had enough. I think all the teachers should get a raise in salary after being home with you kids. I am going to vote for that. I mean, make light of this. Try to get off the politics of this insanity and, 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 and turn it around um, so that it can actually become something you look back on. And when you talk about this, it's not just about how horrible it all was, but that it was really, truly an amazing time. Um, and, 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 and you wanna come up with a couple of notes of what about it was great. What about it uh, was lovely. I know my dog is very happy because she's got me for 24 seven now and she can snuggle with me and get belly rubs. So if my dog was going to write the story, she would say, this is the best thing that ever happened. <laughs> and again, you can talk like that with your kids. They get that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, I would, Melissa, like to take a few minutes if we can, just to talk about the realities of the scary things that children are hearing because parents are asking what the best way is to talk to the children about it. I don't know, the parents probably don't know this, but I was by the World Trade Center on 9-11. I was the uh, executive director of a children's center a couple of blocks away. So I have been through real awful stuff helping 
parents through it. And something that I want to share with you that I learned, and that is um, it's important to acknowledge that these children are hearing things. It's important to acknowledge that we don't need to have the TV on 24 seven and bombard ourselves or especially our children with all the fear that's being stood up around us. So one of the suggestions I made to parents way back then, I'm gonna make it to you now. And that is, please shut the TV set off or the, uh, the radio off. You don't need updates every five minutes or every hour. In the early morning of your own private time, check whatever you check to see what the situation is in this minute. And maybe, you know, when you go into your own quiet time away from the children, you have a check-in. But please be aware, your kids are listening to your conversations. They're picking up on your fears and your worries and your concerns, um, on your, uh, and especially on what they're hearing on the television set. So be very conscious of that. The other thing to be very conscious of is that children don't know what to do with it. They take the fear in and then in their childlike minds, they create stories out of it. So it's very important that you sort of kind of check in with them, but not the way parents normally do, which is what you do in school today. You know, how are you feeling? That's not the best way to check in. The best way to check in is to tell a story about yourself. You can say something like this to a little kid. You know what? All of a sudden I started to feel scared. I don't even know what I was so scared about. I think I might've heard a story about somebody getting really sick from the virus. I mean, only say something like this if you know, if you know your children are aware. Um, and you could say, so you know what I did? I found out that people who get sick from the virus, it's like when we get sick from, uh, uh, you know, anything else that makes us sick. Most people get a cough or they get a sneeze or they get some aches and chills and then they get better. So I realize I really don't have to be so scared. When you talk about yourself, that opens the child to talk about themselves. Now, some children might say to you, but is grandma and grandpa going to get sick? Because they may have heard that old people are gonna get sick. And um, one of the ways I suggest parents talk about this is like the death conversation. You guys are gonna have a conversation around, I mean, being a parent means you have to talk about sex one day probably, and drugs, which you're gonna be uncomfortable about at some point, and death, and you never know when that's gonna hit your family. It could be through an animal or it could be from somebody sick. So this is just another one of those uncomfortable conversations. Don't blow it out of proportion for yourself and just say to yourself when it comes, oh, I knew it was gonna come eventually. So you can, but first you have to check in with yourself. You can't talk about death if you haven't figured out yourself yet what you believe. You know, you can't, you, you can't be authentic with your children if you don't check in first with yourself. So just to death for a minute, you know, our dog died a couple of months ago. And um, that's why I have this new little rescue dog who I'm so concerned over with her not feeling so good right now. But um, my 
grandson, who's six years old, was told that my dog died. And um, one of the ways his parents, my, my son dealt with telling him uh, about the death of our dog, was that he went to heaven. Because my family, my son was comfortably using that. You have to ask yourself, you cannot tell your kids something you are not comfortable with. So this is a good time for us to check in with ourselves. How do we feel if we have older parents? I know Melissa worries a little bit about me. She's constantly saying, how are you feeling, Ma? It's, that's normal and natural. I have friends whose kids have said to him, you are absolutely not allowed to go outside because I am terrified that you're gonna get sick. You know, we have to be aware of who we are. The best way to deal with this with your children is to say, um, if, if they say, oh, grandma and grandpa are gonna die, is to say, you know, grandma and grandpa are really very smart. And they're listening to what the people in charge are telling them. And so they're taking good care of themselves. And um, I think, it's always good to say I think, because nothing in life is 100%. I think that because they're taking really, really good care of themselves, that they're going to be okay with this. And if they did not feel good and they didn't feel uh, okay, they've got wonderful doctors who they can call who who would be there to help them and take care of them. So you can talk to your children um, about this without making them get scared and worried. But the most important thing is for you not to be scared to have the conversation. For you to realize it's, 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 you know, it's just, it's like any other question that your children are asking you, they're trying to understand life. I just wanna say that what you were just talking about really goes back to how we started this session, which was about tuning into your own inner guidance, tuning in and connecting with that, um, that higher part of you, that God part of you, the universe part of you, whatever your belief system says, and going there first and settling into that and then moving forward. And I think that's the, the, the I know that it feels like it's an oversimplification, but that is the main takeaway here is that first slowing down and getting centered and grounded and turning down the volume on the fear and the overwhelm and the freneticism and uncertainty that's out in the world is the first place to go with all of this. Because if we have conversations from that place of fear and worry and not knowing, it's not going to be soothing to anybody that's involved. With your older kids, with your older kids, it's wonderful for you not to have to always look like you're in control and, and, and you know, you, you've got the world covered. Because you don't, and they know it. So when you pretend, they know you're full of it. And when they say, you okay, mom, and you aren't, and you say, yeah, I'm fine, they know you aren't. So get over having to have everything together. It's okay, especially to say to the kids, you know, seven, eight, and up, you know what, I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. I need to give myself a few minutes of quiet time. I need to get centered. I mean, um, before I, I started to do this, I was sitting in my bedroom, just, and my husband walked in, he said, you okay? And I said, I'm just trying to get myself centered before I get on the webinar. And he said, okay, my husband doesn't meditate. That's not in his, you know, his book of things to do, but he's come to respect it for me. 
And this, you know, and you can do this. You model for your children how you take care of yourself. You don't have to do it the exact same way, but don't be afraid to be real and human, especially, you know, with those older children. Something we didn't cover, we're not going to have a lot of time right now, and I, and I wanted to, and that's food and sleep, but um, issues and the tantrums and the kids, you know, pushing you, pushing you, pushing you until you give in. Let me give you an overview and then we'll talk about how we can work with you privately because we're going to reduce our rates to do that to help you. But um, let me give you something to take away in these areas. The first thing I want to say is that if you are not consistent with the way you handle food or sleep or snacks or anything else, your kids are going to push you. It just, that's what, when you are not consistent, they know it. And they will keep pushing to see where you are on it in this moment. They may, they may luck out. So why not push you on it? So the best thing you can do to stop that pushing, 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 one is don't give in to shut them up so you don't have to listen anymore. Because all that does is put a Band-Aid on it. And next time, they're going to keep pushing, pushing, pushing till they get you to, to give in or to scream at them. And then they can think, my mother's crazy. My mother's the worst mother in the world. And they will take no responsibility for their lack of self-regulation. So I'm telling you right now, giving in is never going to get you what you want, the hope that next time they won't do it. Okay. And I just want to interject that the first few times that you start to become more consistent, they're going to push really hard and it's going to be really uncomfortable. So you've got to get through those first few incidents with them where you hold your ground and you let them have a hard time before you get over the hump where it starts to work. And, and that's one of the things that we help parents with. But you don't have to be mad at them because I'm telling you, expect it. You know, it, it, it's just the way it is. You can say to them, I know this is hard for you. I know you want me to give in because I, I hate watching you upset, but I'm not this time. So I'm just giving you a heads up. I'm not going to give in. It's really not a good idea when you're finished being upset and angry because remember, once they're dysregulated, the part of the brain that causes dysregulation is leading the show. So don't expect them, actually don't expect yourself either, that when the dysregulation starts, that, that your wisdom is coming forth or their wisdom is coming forth. Neither one of you are capable of being in your wise self. Give it language. Say, you are in the part of your brain that can't do anything but carry on. I'll be here for you when your brain starts to settle down and we'll figure out a way to make this better. Nobody's bad. Okay. That's about pushing. Okay. As far as food stuff goes, if you've already had food issues, they're just going to get exaggerated now because you're home and everybody wants to snack. And I want to tell you, I'm having an issue with myself because I'm home. I'm trying to lose weight and I'm stuck in the house and I have snacks and comfort food. So I'm having my own dysregulation tantrums with myself. I want to eat the chips. No, Sandy, don't eat the chips. But I want to eat the chips, Sandy. You're going to feel crappy afterwards. Don't eat the chips. But they're there and I see them and I want them. I'm having my own breakdown with myself. So 
one of the things I want to suggest is if you stocked up on chips and snacks and, and your kids know they're there, they're going to want at them. My suggestion is with young children, take them where, away from where you normally put the stuff. Go hide it somewhere where the little kids have no idea where it is so they don't see it. Because when they see it, it triggers them to want it. And with the older children, you can do something where you can say to them, look, we have to really take good care of our bodies, especially now with this virus hanging over us. We need to feed it healthy food. But that doesn't mean we can't give it some snacky, yucky, you know, junky food too. Um, uh, uh, how many snacks a day that, you know, you talk about healthy snacks and then say, so how many junky snacks do you think your body can handle? 4,000. Yeah. That's what we would like, but let's get realistic. How, you know, and you might even in the morning, let them take out two or three junky snacks and give them three baggies and say, put some, and I'm talking now for your older children, say to them, you get to decide when you're going to eat the junk food. I'm not going to be on your back. Bless you. My grandma would say, you sneeze the truth, Melissa. I'm not going to be on your back all day long checking on your junk eating. You want to eat all your junk before 11 in the morning? Go to it. I'm just telling you, it's done for the day. And you could fight me as much as you want. It's just done because it's not good for your body. And right now, one of the biggest responsibilities we have is to eat healthy so our body can handle anything that comes in contact with it. And stay true to that. This is not a punishment. This is loving our bodies and take caring of ourselves. But setting into motion some kind of routines um, and, uh, where you don't have to create the issue by having it right in front of them or even right in front of yourself. I've said to my husband, please take all the, 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 the uh, snack food and go put it somewhere where I can't see it. Because I know that if I see it, I'm going to want it. And then I'm in my own battle with myself. You don't want to battle with yourself or with your children. And as far as sleep goes, I, I, I think it's still a good idea to have a routine in the evening. Keep a routine going. Where after an example of an evening routine might be the family plays a game together. You have family time where you've shut off all the electronics. And then maybe there is an electronic relaxing time where you watch a movie together or something like that. And then you shut down all the electronics and we take a shower or we take a bath and then we do reading together um, or we listen to a meditation tape or guided imageries, look those up. They're really, they're really just fabulous and wonderful. And one other thing I wanna suggest is you might record yourself with your young children during the day reading to them. And then after you do the getting them into bed, you don't have to go to sleep immediately, but let them either read books or listen to your recording of reading the books. And, and it's over. And if they wanna get out of bed and do, no darling, it's time to be in bed. Don't say, go to sleep, because if anyone yelled at me and said to me, go to sleep, sometimes I can't go to sleep. Sometimes I need to um, read or, you know, or, or listen to a meditation or do something. I can't like 
just snap to sleep because somebody tells me. Especially right now when fears and scary things are in our mind. We need to be able to relax to go to sleep. And if children are feeling nervous, anxious, apprehensive, it's going to be really hard. With you little ones who still believe this, you might make an antivirus spray or an anti anything scary spray, put it in the bottle what they're scared of, you know, whether it's the virus or it's a kid in school who's not nice or whatever it is. Okay, we're gonna stick that in the bottle, shake up the spray and let them spray the room before they go to sleep, you know, and, and say, ah, and now you can pick a dream. You can go, I say this to myself at night, I really do. I can go anywhere I want now. Once I close my eyes, I can go on a picnic, I could go to the beach, I could go house shopping for a, you know, a house by the ocean, I could walk through a field of daisies, I can go anywhere I want. And let your kids drift off to sleep with something positive and loving. I love how easy you make it sound. I'm thinking about a lot of the families that I work with who really struggle with these routines. And what I wanna say is in these times, everything that's been challenging will be magnified. The routines that were not working will be even harder to get through. And so my mom and I talked before we got on this call and what we decided to do, especially since we already work from home and neither of us are going anywhere for the next couple of weeks, we have extended the hours that were available and we've decided to offer one discounted session to each family. Um, and the reason why we're limiting that discount to one session is so that anybody who wants to work with us can get an appointment on our calendars. And so we'll include the information in the email or the, you know, pasted below wherever you see this um, so that you can reach out to us and talk with either one of us. Um, the session is limited to one uh, one session, so you can choose who you'd like to work with. And that way we can help you with routines, with language, with food, with um creating a, um, a, a daily flow, setting up your home like a classroom, wherever it is that you're looking for a little more support, we are here to support you, to support your family, to help you really use this uh, uh, virus vacation as a way to shift the way that things are working in your, in your family and to turn it into an opportunity to create some memories that your children will take with them as they grow up. Wouldn't it be amazing? If the, the kids that are little right now, you know, under seven or the teenagers, I know that there are kids that aren't getting to do, um, go to their high school prom or graduation potentially, or kids left college early and they're not going to go to their graduation ceremonies. There are all of these ways that things are disrupting life for so many of us. But wouldn't it be amazing if in 10 years we look back on it and we say, oh, that was actually an incredible opportunity. I know for me, on 9-11, I was in India. I was traveling abroad for the semester. I happened to be um, where the Dalai Lama lives. And the day after 9-11, I was at his monastery in a, in a prayer session, praying for world peace. And well, what you need to know is I didn't want her to go on this trip. When she first approached me as a college student that she wanted to do her last semester abroad, and then she told me it was in India, Nepal, and Tibet, I said, ah, no, 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 no. And on 9-11, I had realized by then that I my, could not lead with fear. I could not 
lead my, ch my children's lives by being uh, a mother who was always steeped in fear. And so I did the work I needed to do on myself and set Melissa off on this, this college bound, uh, you know, this college supported trip with some trepidation. And then on 9-11, I was the one in the midst of the insanity and she was praying with the Dalai Lama. So that's just an example of how oh, stories get told and lessons get taught. And, and this too can be a gift for you and your family, um, you know, depending on how you're able to tweak your thoughts and your emotions and learn from it. Don't forget to tell them about the, um, the cleanse because that's a wonderful gift too. It's, it's yeah. So the cleanse is a it's a twenty one day uh, program where each day you'll get an email from us. Right, three weeks. You're locked in your house every day. We're going to help you through this. Going to help you through it and help you reset your thoughts, the way that you're looking at things, looking at your children, looking at yourself, your partner, yeah. you have one, and and um, hitting the reset on on these thoughts that have become so. Um, automated. And so we've discounted that by 50%. That that I think it's like $29 to take the whole program. And it's really, really good. We've we've both gone through it several times ourselves. And we have links to, to meditations and links to my radio show and links to wonderful things in that. It's it's a really good program. So so those were the two ways that we were thinking um, we could continue supporting you over the next few weeks. You can talk privately with us. You could take our parent cleanse. You're welcome to email us. Let us know if there's more that you need. We may do um, a, a meditation or something else over the next couple of weeks. You know, as things change and develop, we'll um, continue talking about how we can support you and and know that we're here for you. And we are hoping that this time um, that the that it ebbs from being really scary and uncertain to being a, a time that we um, can can connect more deeply and, and um, connect with ourselves and with others and have more trust and faith that things are working out in our favor, even when in the moment it looks like things are all falling apart. And so we thank you for being here with us. We send out our heartfelt love and, and um, we're here for you. So reach out if you need us. But wash your hands first. Yes. <laughs>